Hey, this is Afia Letham, creator of the Frame Your Day app, helping you walk out every day in victory. I'm proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleash, going beyond borders. Hi. This is Zakia Ringgold from NaturalSoapByZakia.com, proud sponsors of the Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders podcast. Good day and welcome to another edition of Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders uh, with another guest. Uh, we're on Double Mint Radio, but there is going to be a bit of a change as you hear this show um, soon uh, with a bit of rebranding and structuring uh, of the station to take us to another level. So uh, watch this space at present. But uh, yes, um I mean, our guest, another guest who has linked to um, has linked to Chanel Spencer. Uh, even though I've known this guest for a while, we've been trying to get her on the podcast for a while, and uh, it, maybe it just takes the Chanel Spencer connection the, the, to to get get things moving. She just has that has that effect on people. So, uh, so I want to welcome my guest who is not in who's excuse me who is in America, but. Originally from London, and uh, we're gonna. Um, our name is Mercy Miles Jenkins, but we're gonna hear her story because she has an interesting story, and the journey from being in the UK to going across the pond, and there is obviously church hurt involved. We're gonna hear she's written five books on that topic, so it's, we're gonna get some the, the, down to the nitty gritty and the juiciness of this, and because there's a lot of people who go through church hurt, there's a lot of people who suffer from it. And I don't think it's as broadcast or talked about as much because people like they like to protect their own. So um, we're going to get dive right in. We're going to find out from obviously the story from I mean, why jump ship from London to the UK, from to America. I mean, and then that that sort of unpack it all because it's really obviously five books. There's going to be a lot of meat in that and to talk about. So and to chew on. So for all my listeners, thank you uh, for, as I say, for listening and let's uh, crack on. So welcome, Mercy Miles Jenkins to the Ramsey on the Going Beyond Borders podcast. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing really, really well, um, Fraser. And I just want to say thank you ever so much. I'm so excited. And yeah, you're right. We've been trying to um, <laughs> get this going for a while now. Time flies when you're having fun there. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Time flies when you're sat in your butt with due to COVID. That's <laughs> 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 Every Normally, everyone would just be like running around mad and busy and doing lots of things. Yeah. But it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, another day, uh, another day of COVID. It's great. That's right, another day of COVID. You couldn't write it. You really, you really could not write it at the moment. Who thought no. you, who thought when you you know what just I've said this in my previous podcast shows that you're thinking, oh ha, it's the end of 2019, going into 2020. Yeah, we go, right, happy new year. Yeah, I've got these plans for 2020. <laughs> Last week in March, dead stop. I know. <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then literally we're now in October, we're getting the second wave or whatever is all kicking off in places and they don't know whether you're open or closed at the moment. And it's just, before you know it, it's just, <laughs> everyone's just going to be going, 
What are your plans for 2021? I don't know yet. Let's crack. We're making no plans. Oh, is, you couldn't. You really just couldn't make up. But never mind. Anyway, never mind. But anyway, let's uh, crack on. Let's not talk about COVID. Everyone's talking about sick of the sight of COVID these days, but just because it's constantly <laughs> everywhere. We just want rid of it. And whoever, to, whoever started or whatever happened is. Uh-huh. <sighs> never mind. Right. Welcome, my guest, Mercy Miles Jenkins. Thank so you. let's kick off. You've got. Let's talk about. Let's just talk about. The, tell us the five books. I know we're going to do about a mix and match. Let's talk about the five books that you've written. Just briefly, tell us the titles, and uh, how, how many years of, did it take to write those five books? Okay, sure. Um, my first book was written in 2017, and it took me well, maybe about six months to write and publish that book. That title was called God's Mercy in the Wilderness. So that was a play on words with my name, Mercy. God's Mercy in the Wilderness, a guide to um, dealing with um, um, dealing with church hat um, in the midst of finding your calling and purpose. Right. So it's dealing with church, but it's looking for individuals that's trying to navigate their way to, I still have a calling on my life and I need to figure out how to fulfill it. Um, even though I have this hurt from the church and I'm not trying to attend church. Right. And mm-hmm. then the next book was Mercy Speaks. And so that book is a collection of poems, self-reflection and prayers whilst I was going through that process. Um, and then another book is called Uncovering the Betrayal of Spiritual Abuse. So we see a progression. I first need to call it church hat, then um, spiritual abuse. Now I talk about cultic churches. So there's been a progression. <laughs> and then my fourth book is called Run for Your Life, because I had a dream. And people okay. always ask me, how did you get away from the cult? And it was those words in the dream. Run for your life. Okay. So that was four. Book number five is called Rebuild, Recover, Reset. Seven Steps to Spiritual Abuse Recovery. You know how you have alcohol recovery? Yes. Not- Yeah, right. Okay. So this is spiritual abuse recovery. So seven steps um, to help anyone that has gone through that type of abuse in church and they're looking to recover and restore and rebuild their lives. So this is good. So I I can, uh, a good theme of all these books. And here, I'm going to have some good, this is a good thing with like doing a record podcast. It's good to have great, but you get the great to have the family dog in the background. It's brilliant. You can hear that. Is that the family dog? <laughs> can you hear the dog barking? The yeah, background? that's my dog. That's my dog Nala in the background. She's yeah. a husky. Um, she's, she's a COVID a... dog. We got her during COVID. Oh, that's good. Well, it's probably going to be a bit of a, there we go, a bit of a animal sound. Well, that's just, I wouldn't sound right. We'll leave that in there. <laughs> just, anyway, that's, um, yeah. So let's start from the, the beginning. You're, you're, where you're, you're obviously from London. So yeah. tell us about life, born, brought up, school, upbringing, good or bad. Oh, yeah, sure will, sure will. Okay, so um, 
I was born and raised in North London, Finsbury Park. Okay, so some of your listeners might know Finsbury Park. Arsenal, Arsenal, right right around the corner (laughs) um, in Tottenham. So um, I was brought up on a council estate called Andover. Mm -hmm. Andover Estate, Um, huge, big um, council flats over there. And um, so, yeah, I lived there most of my life into my early 20s. I left home, um, got myself a flat, but it was like across the way. So I was always at my mom's house and she still lived in over Andover. And so what happened is um, I got married, but I'm going to tell you the story of how I actually got across the pond. (laughs) Okay. So... What happened is I was going to a conference. This conference was in Florida. But I heard the Lord say, don't go to Florida, go to Georgia. And so I don't really know much about America. So I called a friend and they said, oh, yeah, no problem. Um, Because I saw myself on the bus. And so they said, uh, well, we say bus, a coach. And they said, oh, that's the Greyhound bus. I'm like, all right. So they said it's roughly about four hours from Georgia, one state, to get to Florida, the other state. So I can go for this conference. No problem. Called them nearer the time. They said, oops, we're going on vacation. We're not going to be here to pick you up from the airport and put you on that bus. I was like, okay. Okay, Lord. And so they said, don't worry, we'll send you, we'll send somebody to pick you up. No problem. So what happened is I went to Georgia airport. They had sent this dude to pick me up and to drive me around the corner to the Greyhound bus. Got on the Greyhound bus, went all the way to Florida. Uh-huh. I missed one day of the conference. It wasn't a four-hour journey. It was like a 13-hour journey on the bus with changes, so it's longer. So I missed Monday's session. Uh-huh. No problem. So anyway, so what happened is he gave a testimony of the speaker, uh, Bishop Bill Hammond, gave a testimony about his children, that his wife was given a promise from the Lord that they would never marry anybody that God had not ordained for them to marry. So he gave this testimony, and it was a real strange testimony of, um, I think one of his kids was in the military, and there was a meeting, and they was already engaged. And at the meeting, they were like, oh, my God, that's my roommate. God just spoke to me. That's my mate. How am I going to tell my fiancé? The fiancé comes over and says, God just told me, um, my mate is over there. So they meet their mates in this one meeting. So it's like they were switched out. Crazy, I know. So. So, uh, so uh, wow. So basically, there's couples that have gone to this conference, but that's just bonkers. That is bonkers. So uh, I'm listening to this testimony, and he gave uh, two other testimonies because he's got three kids. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I'm not thinking anything of it, though. But I bought his book on my journey on the on the coach. I was reading his book, and he had a chapter on supernatural marriages. 
And so he talked about these incidences where people found their, their, their soulmate under these really interesting circumstances, not thinking anything, right? Mm-hmm. So what happened is I called the dude up. He picked me up from the bus station and took me to their house. And I would fly out the next day. So the next day, I was in the shower and I heard the Lord say, that dude is your husband. I was like, what? I was like, nah. Okay. I cried, I cried, I cried. I said, Lord, how is it that I got married, I had three kids, and you didn't you did not save that marriage? Okay. He said that was you. I did not tell you to do that. So I'm like, okay. So I said, I'm not going to marry this dude unless you can prove to me that he's ready for me. Because as your listeners know, if you're a single parent, you're really concerned about who you'd bring around your kids. And so I said, if you can prove it to me, then I'm in. So what I did is I started asking him a whole bunch of questions, isn't it? Okay. So I wasn't trying to be obvious, but I did ask him some questions. So I asked him if he wanted to be married, okay? And he said yes. And I asked him, did he want any children? And he said yes. But then he said this part, and these are his words, right? I'm putting air quotes up. He said, yeah, but the wife that the Lord has for me, she already has children. Uh, she. <laughs> I was like, what? I said to him, how do you know? He said, because I had a dream and she's got boys. Ask me what I got. Boys. Boys. Free boys. I said, okay, I'm in trouble because I've got to marry this dude. <laughs> Because my, my, my thing was, I won't do it unless he's prepared for me. So I didn't say nothing. I didn't drop no hints. He took me to the airport, and I came home to England. Mm-hmm. And I just prayed into it because I believed if God could speak to me and tell me that he's my mate, then he would do that to him. Right. I was not about to, you know, I didn't want to drop no hints. Because it wasn't like I was really looking for another marriage, okay? So what happened is, I think it was like six weeks later that the Lord said to me, now he knows. I said, what? God said, now he knows. This is Friday. Saturday, I felt like maybe I need to call him. And then I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Sunday, I felt this really strong, like, call him. I was like, nah, I'm not calling no man. Because I, if anything, he should be, you know. So I called him on Sunday, and he said to me, you're not going to believe this. This is how he answered the phone. He said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, I just came from the store. I went out. And I bought an international phone card. Do you remember when you used to do that? Yes. Now we got WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. You know, we can communicate over 
over yeah, many right. countries, right? Overseas. But back then, this was 2002. So he said, I just went out and bought an international phone card to call you. And he said, in my other hand is my cell phone. And he said, I was just about to dial you when you called me. He's <laughs> never called me before. Interesting. So I said to him, so what was you going to call me about? He said, you're not going to believe this. He said, I had a dream that you're my wife. Interesting. And I said, really? <laughs> he said, what do you think? And I said, well, that's what God told me too. I said, I said, when I was, when I was in the States, I knew all the way then. He said, no, nah, I just found out. He said, I just had a dream. I was like, okay. So that's what happened. Do you want to talk about, you know, you obviously, you were married before. Do you want to talk about that? Because you obviously got three kids. Yep. So I've got three kids from a previous marriage. Um, we're all good now. We're all family now. The kids just went on vacation. They went over to Jamaica um, in August, August, September. Mm -hmm. um, so all is forgiven. All is um, all is straightened out. But that was a that was a relationship that I did in my own flesh. So a lot of the things that was happening in that relationship, you know, I, I see as a, we was never supposed to be together. It was not the will of God. And so there was a lot of turbulence in that relationship. There was a lot of turbulence. And um, yeah, I'll say turbulence. There was a lot of turbulence, physical turbulence, emotional, verbal. We would disrespect one another. And so that was one of the things I asked. That's why I wasn't really looking for anything. And um, that's why I said to God, I'm not going to do it. Sure. <laughs> Obviously, what what started your church life? I mean, you're saying that you've obviously been just brought up to the church for your family, or what was the church life? Did it start? How did it start? Good question. Good question. So I've always been raised up in the church, but that, that doesn't really mean anything. That just means that um, my family were churchgoers. That's what it means. Right, okay. Um, but there was a point when I was, I think maybe about, I can't remember now, maybe 25, 26. No, maybe about 27 years old. When things were going really bad in marriage, uh, what mm -hmm. happened is one of my cousins said to me, well, we're going over to see T.D. Jakes. I didn't even know who T.D. Jakes was. Okay. And this was over at the, um, I can't remember, but there's a big place over East London, a big old stadium. And she said, we're going over there. And I did not want to go home because I knew he was home and I did not want to deal with him. And right. so I said, I'm coming with you. So when I went, that's when God really began to move in my heart and I gave my life to Christ. Okay. And that was at, that was a result of me trying to get away from this dude. So I, I'm running away from him. I ran into the church. And so that's how that happened. And then eventually you got yourself over to America. So tell us the... Before we go to the next part, just a shout out to people who listen to the show uh, and also to people who support. There's Eileen Smith from EileenSmith.com. She's in Philadelphia. Um, Brent Mann from Brent Mann Music. Benita Charles from BenitaCharles.com. She's in America, uh, New York. Brent Mann, who's in Miami. 
Uh, John Drummond from Ideas Go Live, his website design, uh, Altavis Pelzer from the Speakeasy Podcast, and many other people, Guy Cook, and who supports our show. Thank you for that. And also run Government Radio, Ifi Alethan from Kingdom Beads, and Zakia Ringgold from Natural Soap by Zakia. And say thank you for these people who support us, and it's great to support them back. But uh, yeah, so let's get back into what we're doing. We're on doublementradio.com. Um, we're going to be a slight rebrand, so I won't be saying that very long. Um, watch this space. Um, but um, yes, so back to my guest, Mercy Miles Jenkins. Uh, we've just been speaking about our sort of journey from basically going to America, coming back, finding out somebody she's just only met that <laughs> she was in a couple of days or a few yeah. hours raising hey you're gonna be a partner you're gonna be my <laughs> okay so um probably if you're listening to this you're thinking hang on a minute <laughs> it was random and bonkers yep. that you ever heard but well we're gonna dissect a bit more so so tell us about once you you've had the phone call you've had the phone call what was what happened after so what happened after is um, we began speaking on the phone and getting to know one another. And um, I believe it was probably maybe like eight weeks, maybe 12 weeks after that, that I took a visit over to the States. Um, I brought my kids with me. And um, that's when he proposed to me. Wow. Yeah. And then when did you get married? Oh, that year. So two thousand. And you got married some year, cool. And then yeah. you, so you made plans to move over, I'm guessing. Yep, absolutely. So we did eventually move over, and um, we've been settled for like 10 years. It was a process, you know, doing the green card and all that sort of stuff. It was a process, um, but I've been settled for the last 10 years, and so we've been living in Massachusetts. I say settled because we was in um. Atlanta for three years, in California for another three years. Great. But we've been here for now 10 years in Massachusetts. Okay. Wow. So you're still with the same husband? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, so that's 18, 18 years, I think. 18 years. Wow. And how many more kids did you have? Two. Two more. So you got five kids in total now. And they're all boys. <laughs> well, let's go into. So, well, how did all these? You, obviously, you met. How did this church hurt all start? How did this all happen? Tell us. Okay. I, mean, I mean, obviously, you just you've just come over America. You've got married. So, mm-hmm. where did the church? How did this church hurt start? What all dissected, and what was, and what did they do? Gotcha. So, um, this ministry church that I was involved with. Um, seemingly on the outside, they were very helpful, very supportive, very loving, very kind. And even to this, to this day, um, they are very much that way on the outside. It wasn't until I became deeply involved in their organization and operation that I realized something else, um, dark was happening. And so, um, what was going on is is that um, they would uh, uh, they would operate their church through fear, um, domination and control and manipulation and lies. And so I didn't realize, you know, I just really love God, and 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 that's just it. You know, 
Um, you know, and this is what happens to good people that falls into cults. They're, they're normally individuals that are very intelligent, professionals, or even just young people, but they have a zealousness for God and they just want to know more. And so, you know, one of the signs of um, cult behavior is they would love bomb you. And so that's what they would do. They would just like shower their love, their attention. Um, they're great at mentoring all of that. But once you get involved in as part of their leadership team, which was uh, I was part of their leadership team, then that's when they felt like they owned me. Okay. Uh-huh. And so they felt like, um, for example, I couldn't go on vacation without their permission. And, you know, some places, just like a job, you ask permission for vacation days for leave of absence from work, right? Okay. Uh, But in this church, they would say, no, you can't go. Right. And uh, the reason why you couldn't go is because you had to serve or God didn't want you to go or um, it wasn't your time to leave. uh, uh, You know, as if the, the, the permission was from them or God. And so you would be afraid to leave, even if you wanted to, even if you said, you know what? I don't know what they told me. I'm still going anyway. And people did. And when they did, they ended up in some type of car crash or something. And so you would like, ooh, you'd be like, I'm not doing that. And so they had a way of operating that you would quickly see calamity right behind it. And so some right. people say that's word curses or spells. And so it would cause everybody else to realize, don't do that. Don't do that. And you would think that's God. Like, don't don't go on vacation. Because if you go on vacation, something bad's going to happen to you. And so that's how they were taught, like very superstitious. Mm-hmm. But it was just to control their members. Okay? And, for example, if you wanted to leave, you could, it's like you couldn't leave. They would not release you. They would not let you go out. They, you know, they wanted you to participate and to work for them. Even my green card, I told you that was a process. I really believe they took my green card. Right. Interesting. Because um, I was actually planning to work. They did not want me to work. Mm. We actually had a meeting about me going to work and they were really annoyed that I would go to work. I found a place in the school. I just needed references and I asked them and they was not about to give me a reference for all the work that I did in that church. Um, I needed a reference and they didn't want to give it to me. And they was not in agreement with me going to work. So what, when that kind of happened, what happened? Well, what was the next? Did they, did you, how did you get, was it getting out or what was well, I didn't think anything of it, to be okay. honest. Um, I was upset it in, in, internally, but I didn't express it um, because when you're in a cult, you don't express your feelings, and that's why they're zombies. You don't express your feelings because they taught us not to. Okay. So they could always inflict pain and disappointment and hurt, but we were never allowed to talk about that part of us. It was always told like this, like no complaining, no complaining. God doesn't want to hear it. Uh, get over it. Um, they would teach, um, don't take it personal. So 
I mean, I was upset. I was brought into a meeting. I walked out of that meeting upset, but I couldn't express being upset. That's why one of my books is called Mercy Speaks. Okay. Because I, I, I left and I was able to speak now. But at the time, I didn't think any of it. And it, there was no rebuttal. There was no, rebu- you know, I, I wouldn't argue back because uh, we was taught not to argue back. So we was taught not to use those type of tools to defend ourselves. And so we was defense, defenseless, which is how cults actually take control of individuals. Scary stuff with cults and how they get away with it is interesting. <laughs> so what, it's very subtle, very yeah. subtle. What, uh, so what developed after that then? What was your, what eventually woke you up in a sense to escape or get out? So what happened is I had to go to England um, for like a family emergency or something. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I had to get like a temporary visa card, um, temporary green card. Because like I said, they sent it to me and they said they sent it, but it was in the mail. And I didn't even figure out at that time that they took it from me. Okay. So anyway, so I had to get a temporary one and because I had an emergency, went to England. And because I was away from them, um, you know, communication wise, they couldn't really, you know, I'm in a different country or whatever. I believe that God was able to reach me because they, they couldn't get to me in the same way. And so I had a dream and in this dream, it was like thunder. Okay. I woke up screaming in, up, up, you know, from the dream. And so I'll just give you a snippet what the dream is. Um, I talk about it in my book called run for your life. So in the dream, I saw a whole bunch of people and there were zombies, just like the movie, you know, Netflix. Um, what is it? The Walking Dead. Uh, okay. They were like the Walking Dead. But the leaders of this church was actually controlling them. And so they had like a whip or like a stick or something to make sure that they were in line and they were marching together. And I was one of them. But I knew I was alive. And so I would look to the left and to the right, the corner of my eye, to see if anyone could recognize I was alive. And so I had to pretend that I was dead, just like they were walking dead. Mm. And so I saw a gate of freedom. And I said to myself, run. When, when, when you get close to that gate as we're walking, when you're aligned with it, run for your life. So um, I saw the gate coming up and I heard a voice in the dream, in the dream, run for your life. And as soon as I heard that, I shot, I shot out like I shot out from, from the blocks. And I, in the dream, it was like slow motion. So I was talking to my arms and legs and knees because I didn't know if I could run fast enough. So in the dream, I was actually telling my body to shift. And, you know, like in the movie, you're like, if I look back, there's going to be like dogs and, you know, they're going to be chasing me. So I looked back and I could not believe what I saw. It blew me away. 
I looked back and nobody was chasing me. Nobody missed the beat. They continued anyway. And I ran out of those gates and um, that's where I got set free. So when you, so then going back to when you flew back to America, where'd you go? Good question. So I knew right there and then, I mean, I was covered with shame and embarrassment. I was screaming when I woke up. Mm -hmm. When I say I was brainwashed, I realized God was never in it. And he was saying, run for your life. As much as we talked about God, as much as we were studying the Bible, as much as we was actually church leadership, God was not in this. He was like, this is abuse. I'm not a part of it. These are people that's controlling my people. They're not even sheep. They're like the walking dead. They don't have a life for themselves. They can't think for themselves. And so I realized everything that we did was wrong. But guess what? Just like domestic violence, people get caught up in the dysfunction and it becomes normal. Mm -hmm. So when I went back, I wasn't going back to leave. Which you think I was. I wanted to see if they would change. Just like in a partner abuse relationship, you're hoping that person would change. Right. So you could stay and live happily ever after. That was my mindset. Even though God has shown me, get out. So what happened is I called the leader and um, I I confronted her on some things because my hope was that we can change. Mm -hmm. And she was not having it at all. I was on the phone call for an hour and she did not accept no blame. She said it was me. It was everybody else. I even said to her, well, how comes nobody can think for themselves? How comes that anything we want to do, like anything, we have to ask you first. And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. That's, that's you guys. That's what you want to do. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I just let her go on, you know, because I've been taught to respect your elders. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I I didn't say anything. So I was just pacified. And um, it was so bad. I would get the phone. I would plunk it down, put it on mute, go for a walk, come back. She was still yelling and screaming at me. And I, I, I just couldn't take it. So one hour of her justifying, not taking no blame. And I realized they don't want to change. Right. They don't want to change. And then, so one hour into the conversation, I did what I've never done before. I got mouthy. I got upset. Because remember I said for a long time, we was, we was, we were suppressing our emotions. Okay. So that was the first time I started to speak up for myself. In fact, I was shouting and uh, she was, we, we was, we was button heads. So as loud as she was, I was louder than her. Okay, so that's the, I, is that, the, is that the, the land, the London, London feistiness coming back, coming out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was, I was, I was feeling myself. And I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet the cockney was flowing. 
It was it was coming out, but it's interesting you say that because <coughs> I believe I really had to go back to London to find myself. Okay. Because everybody said you don't, you don't, you're not like the same person. Like, what's what's wrong? And so I was confronted with having been like a zombie, and didn't know I was a zombie. So you're so you're at this church, even though you're still mad, you're married, the same husband. Yeah. Wow. So what does your husband think about all this? We didn't know until until uh, uh, until at this point, and after this point, we didn't know. I'm, I'm being serious. Like I said, on the outside, they're loving and kind people. It's just they was extremely deceptive and very cunning. So he was there with you. Absolutely. These right. were the people that that um set it up for me to meet him. Remember. So, so, wow, right. So, yeah. So, it was so, the cult that, so it was the cult that set up to meet. Wow, that's this is that's kind of wow. That's, that's, so that's, that's why I didn't see what was going on because I knew God set it up. I knew it was a God thing, and so you know, in me trying to understand this whole scenario, I said, God, you got to help me. So, some of the things that I'd seen is He had sent numerous people to me to get me out. He allowed me to meet them, but he did not want me to get entangled with them. Because even after me and my husband met, I was like, there's something wrong here with this church. I kept on saying it to him, but I didn't know what it was. And they would just always pacify me and always pacify me. And the longer you stay, the more you become a clone. You talk like them, you look like them, you act like them. And so that's what I was saying. When I went to London, I was faced with who I really am. And that's when I, 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 you know, in the dream, I was alive. Everybody else was like cloned. Okay. They were like the walking dead. They didn't have a personality. They had no emotion. They had no feeling. And they were just marching. This is like spooker than the Twilight Zone or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is like this Twilight Zone kind of level. <laughs> this is gonna my 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 word. This is this proves how. Whew. So let's. So you're out. So you tried to you you thought about trying to change them, which obviously it never worked. So you basically just you decided to fight back and find your voice, and get yourself back um, into basically just yeah. So. You've officially left for your husband. What was the next? What was what was the next? What after? Because you, they're going to probably. I'm guessing you were leaving, and I'm guessing they didn't make it easy. These guys kind of made it easy for you. No, they didn't make it easier for us, and I knew they wouldn't make it easy. So when I got off that phone call, I said, "That's it, I'm leaving." But I, I couldn't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell anyone. Um, and so I had um. I had some money saved up because I'd always given my money. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's how they always kept me poor and dependent on them because I'd always given my money. And so I began to start saving my money. So I bought some tickets, some plane tickets. Um, I had a friend. Um, she, when I decided to leave, she told me I could stay with her. And she said, she's actually been waiting for me. Because oh, wow. she said, God told me that you was in the cult. She said, I tried to talk to you. And you wasn't really getting it. So she said, I've been waiting all this time to support you. And so that was interesting to me because she she was always supportive. Uh, but it was because she had known 
And she was right. When I look back, she had been trying to tell me, but I just couldn't hear it mm-hmm. because that's how deep brainwashing goes. It blocks out any real truth. It keeps you locked in so that you'll always be that, that, um, that victim and you won't see your way out. I never saw my way out. I didn't even know I was in a trap by that time, but other people saw it. And so God had them um, set aside for me to support me. So I, I got out with the support of um, some friends that was aware of this. Um, and um, we moved to Massachusetts. And so Massachusetts is where we had the new life. This is where we had the new life for 10 years. Wow. Cool. Um, so that's when we began to figure out who we are as individuals, um, as a couple, as parents. We had to make our own decisions because we've been so used to other people controlling us. It was almost like coming out of prison, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. I have to say this. <laughs> so, so tell us about, well, this is, obviously this is where the book started, I'm guessing. After finding out and having to meet under, well, I suppose it's get almost getting to know your husband that you've been with, starting again, if you know what I mean. So that kind of been that must be different. <laughs> so, it's been what was your husband? Meaning, what was your husband's reaction? Obviously, it was both of you, technically, but you were the same. Like you was he more? It seems like you were the one who was getting the answers that you, this was not right. But was he getting the same answers, or was he kind of? Yeah, he was getting them. As I was telling them, uh, God began to speak to him personally and he could see, oh, yes. So, like, it was like um, the scales was coming off our eyes at the same time, which is important because a lot of people got divorced because one was free and the other one wasn't. Right. So it was a blessing that um, the scales were falling off at the same time in that same season. Wow. So, new life, Massachusetts. Uh, what was how easy or hard was it to sort of get to know each other on totally different terms from from being in, uh, being controlled? It was great, absolutely great. It was a lot of fun. We was excited. There was a lot of excitement to starting new. Um, even though it was hard, we didn't care about the hard because we was excited about freedom. It's like when you come in at a prison. You know, you're coming from a place where you only have like one hour a day out. And so what was hard for most people, we didn't consider that being hard. So everything was really fun because we were spending more time together as a couple because they would control that. Okay. We was more involved in our children's life because they would control that. So we was having the most amount of freedom, the most amount of life, um, enjoying ourselves. Um, We found some jobs. Um, We were successful in our jobs. And uh, we was just really enjoying what it means to um, work, be, be committed to our employers and seeing the success of our commitment to them and building our passion projects and things like that. And um, getting our kids up to par with not only their hobbies and interests, but also academic wise too as well. Right. So after being involved in a, a cult, I'm guessing, trying to find a church that's normal 
to an extent. When I say <laughs> what's what's normal, I suppose, <laughs> in churches these days, and some, well, I say that like loosely, and <laughs> some genuine ones, and there's the ones that are just yeah, we won't go there. But um, but what was the to try and go forward from try, living your life? You're feeling great, you're free, but I mean, what was the to try and get a church that was not a cult? How did you? How did that process go as a couple? Good question. That's an excellent question. One of the things that I did when we came out is I went to the library and mm -hmm. I got seven books on cults. And so I studied cults. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they say is, is that when you leave a cult, you're more than likely to find another one. Okay. Because of some unresolved issues. So because I knew that most people don't study it in, study it deep enough to know that. So as I left, I was very conscious of this. Whereas there's other people that left after me, they went into cults. I don't know how this stuff happens, but the cult found them and they found another cult. And I'm like, oh, geez. But I did the study and so I knew this. So we found um, pretty traditional churches, but we would visit and we wouldn't make no commitment. That was a stage where we wanted to just be invisible. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like, we're just coming, we're not committed, but we're just visiting. Because, you know, we had trust issues. That's what we was working out. We had trust issues. And so five and a half years, we was just, I call it the wilderness. We was just really out there doing what we wanted to do, really succeeding in corporate, um, going on vacations, visiting the UK, going to Ghana, just making money and just enjoying our family, eating out, having lots of family time. Cause these are the things that we didn't do. Okay. okay. So we was really just playing catch up on family and relatives and just living a normal life. So church was not a priority. Okay. We didn't, we didn't consider it a priority at all. So for like five and a half years that went on. And then I started to feel like a pulling in my heart. I started to, I didn't even, there was a point where I didn't even know there was a God. Maybe it was all made up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I really was like, went backwards. And, and that's part of the process of um, being restored. Some people go all the way backwards and they, you know, God doesn't exist. There's not a God um, until they balance themselves out. So you do have to go back to, figuring out who you are. And so we did that process. We did that process. So, yeah, so we eventually found a church. We left in 2010. So 2016, we did find a church. We've been with them ever since, ever since. And um, two years we've been with them, they ordained us as pastors. So we're actually pastors now. We actually lead a congregation in the church. We're just incredible <laughs> wow. where we've come from so when did you start writing the obviously we touched on at the beginning what the books are so when did you start writing the books uh what was obviously and then how it developed from there and how it's obviously you've talked about church hurt but obviously the cults and escaping i mean to go from one one book to expand into five books uh, that must be you must have researched and must have I mean, dissect the meat from one to now five and to go a bit more in depth. 
Well, it was a process. It was definitely a process. And so what happened is I did the first book and I wasn't really ready to tell my story. Okay. So like now I'm talking to you, I'm telling my story and I'm owning it. And like Les Brown says, I'm sticking with it. Um, But in 2017, when I started writing, I was not ready to be vulnerable to tell the story because I was still dealing with embarrassment and shame. So it was a process. So it was last year that I finished writing three books. I did the first one, 2017. Last year of November and December, I finished three books, um, launched them this year in March. And in May, I wrote another book. So I did four books, like in like the space of like four or five months. Okay. So now I'm, I'm releasing the message because God really wants his people to know that there is such a thing as spiritual abuse of people being in leadership positions and they're misappropriating and abusing their power and using the Bible and using their authority and getting good people to submit um, to their leadership when they have their own agenda and their agenda is to use you and abuse you. I can understand that myself a little bit. Uh, yes, been through church hurt as well. When <laughs> uh, you get treated uh, by people who you think are would care, but don't wouldn't politely say wouldn't pee on you if you're on fire. <laughs> Just to put it bluntly. Okay. Yeah. That is pretty blunt, yeah. Yeah, hence, let's just say, probably wouldn't pee on you if you're on fire, basically. So that's the bottom line. Um, but yes, uh, and I, yeah, for those who are listening, one of my previous guests on the show, um, she has gone through similar things through here. Um, you, you will have heard that. So, but uh, but yes, um, I will actually probably connect you up with my one of my uh, guests, previous guests, who you may be able to share some experience stories or, yeah. or she's actually has a podcast. Uh-huh. Her podcast is uh, the Coffee Jeans and Jesus podcast. She's in Chicago uh-huh. and uh, she Hi. could, uh, she can in- probably have, you could talk about your, uh, ex- both experiences. So there we go. Something you can uh, have a think about. Um, I'll connect you both up because she has a podcast and you can discuss a little bit more and share your experience. But anyway, um, yeah, so I've just lost my train of thought completely. <laughs> you just what were we talking about? What were you saying? <laughs> I think it's good. Um, yeah, you're talking so, about you, you, you're, you're familiar with that experience, and yeah, then you, I was going yeah. on from your, yeah, I was going on from your books, that's what I was talking about. So, um so basically, it's a fact. Four, well, four books down, four books down the line. Uh, you wrote four books in the best part of three years, four years. Fifth, fifth book. What was yeah. that? that about? Is that the same? Yeah, it's the. You wrote three, then you wrote another two, or was it the? Oh, yeah. the fifth one is recovery. Right. Okay. Um, because when I when I finished the fourth one, people were saying, "Oh, that's great, but we need to know how to recover." And I was like, "Oh man, I just finished all these books, and it's still not." You know, I don't know, I can, you know, and I was like, you know what, that is a valid point. That's a valid point. You know, you got to show people the process. And Mm -hmm. so that's the fifth one, rebuild, reset, recover, seven steps to 
spiritual abuse recovery. So I go through the seven things that I had to walk through um, to support individuals in that process. Now, no, you know, I believe, you know, people experience it in different ways um, in terms of their recovery process, but nonetheless, it will give them some support. That's cool. Let's talk about the, the collaboration with Chanel Spencer you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That was an awesome collaboration of like some 2021 authors, um, and uh, we just had our launch. That was the evolution effect. Um, and so um, in that book, my chapter was called Hitting the Stop Button on Spiritual Abuse. And so that was really much saying it's here. Enough is enough. Let's just stop it. So with all the, basically with all this information that you've written in a book, are you – is is even though it's out there, it's on Amazon or maybe in book bookshops or whatever. Uh, is have people who are currently in cults or been in cults after you've left, but you've written these books? Have these books impacted anybody to escape cults? Um, I don't know, but I know that it certainly has enlightened people. The people that was in the cult when I was in the cult, the majority left when I left. Right. Okay. Because I was like second in command. So when I left, that was a big, um, that was a red flag for a lot of them. And so they left then. But reading my books, I know my books have been read by pastors and lay people, and they're like, wow, this is really powerful. Didn't know this. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say um, unknowing, unknowing if they're in a cult and if it helped them to leave. That would be interesting to know. Interesting. That'd be good. And obviously, you've written these books. You hopefully it'd be, you'd like to hear yeah. people who might have read these or come across them and actually yeah, mm-hmm. under a similar story to escape. So, yeah, absolutely. So let's say uh, where can well, like, what's going for like going forward? You mean now? I mean, you're ministers of a church. You're you've written five books. You've you know part of a collaboration book. What is obviously going forward for you and your family? What's the plans? Good. So the plan is is um, in this process. I have been able to inspire other people to tell their own stories. So I do run a book coaching um, um, program and I actually publish too as well. So I'm a publisher. All this has happened during COVID um, because people have been interested in my story and how I'm using my voice or unmuting my voice. And so I've been able to help people to discover their voice and to acknowledge it and to release it in books and I support them to publish it throughout the whole process. I'm very hands-on, very personable um, in the way that I teach. And so they call me, they coin this, they call me the scribal midwife because I really push them to get their projects completed. So that's something that is um, something I'm passionate about doing. And um, in that process too, I'm I'm also a life coach, certified life coach and um, book coach. And so I am helping those who have been in the cult with my fifth book, um, it'll be released in November, is um, to do some life coaching. 
to help them to reset and to rebuild their life, to walk them through the process, as I've mentioned it in the book, and to support them in real life. That's 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 something that we are building right now. So if any of your listeners are interested, definitely reach out to me um, because this life work that I've walked through is for somebody and um, I want to support you. So where can people connect can where can people connect with you? Great. They can connect with me, Mercy Miles, Miles of a Y Jenkins on Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook, I'm regularly on Facebook, so they can find me there. I have a business page under the same name and my personal page. So you can easily message me and get a hold of me there. Um, for the book, it is on www.authormercymilesjenkins.com. Well, have all these uh, show notes in the point for the podcast. I mean, it goes out as a podcast. Uh, for those who are listening on the radio station or the podcast, uh, but it will go out in the show notes uh, so people can connect with Mercy uh, and her services uh, regarding coaching or books, authors, etc. Um also, well, you can read you read the bio as well, um, and go from as, uh, about a brief description in the show notes as well. Um, so, one question: I think looking going, obviously, cults—they're obviously very loving, very kind of they smother you as you come to a slightly. Yes, it seems a bit okay. Just maybe, what else? It, with there being all this loving, it seems. But what else? What? Should I say more dark? Is there, there must be a, a deeper darkness behind all this front of saying, "Oh yeah, great, hug you, love you, all that kind of stuff." But um, it almost sounds, yeah, there is a lot. They control you in the many ways. But what? How deep of the darkness does it go? Oh, it goes deep. It goes deep. Like I said, that you can't even think for yourself. But how any deeper than that? Does it go? What what kind of stuff do they is, do they? Okay, for example, um, I got rid of anything that was from London. Okay. Okay, and the reason why, and I kind of disconnected from London, and the reason why is because they told me that London or England for me, which is where I'm from, born and raised, is my identity, is part of who I am. I drink tea, you know, I eat food with a knife and fork. Um, that's just who I am. Uh, they would criticize everything that was the London of me because they were really trying to steal my identity. And so I began, you know, if you hear that many times, you're going to believe it. So I actually believed it. And so I wouldn't wear any, anything from London. I actually threw all my clothes away. Right. I threw all my clothes away. Um, I disconnected from my family because that's what they are. They, they, they don't, um, cults, they have a way of, coding everything so they're not direct in speech but they know how to it's called auto suggestion it's part of hypnotism it's auto suggestion so they'll make a suggestion but it's laced with fear and it's laced with the bible and so you're thinking not them you're thinking god and so they have a way of speaking that you're like okay i hear what you're saying i won't ever do that again okay so i was like got rid of everything that was London, all my baby pictures, stuff like that. I mean, extreme stuff. They'll, they'll have you doing the extreme things, okay? Um, 
they would uh, encourage the women to shave their hair. Right. Okay. Um, and they talked about boot camp. They talk about military. They would say their ministry is like that. When people come there for the first six months, God makes them to um, teach them submission. So that's how they get people defenseless. They will badger, badger on one topic, submission, 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 till you're not allowed to question the leader. They never would say that, but you taught that subliminally. Right. And it's a program. So uh, people would get rid of their identity. They would get rid of where they've come from. So now that you become um, clueless as to your identity, now you're fed their identity. They give you a language. So we spoke a certain language. We spoke in codes. And so when you get around your friends and family, you would feel weird being around them. You'd be more connected with um, the cult. It's like a gang. Gangs, they, they, they do the same thing. Right. And that's why people stick with them because it becomes more normal than your family and your friends who you had a, a really strong tie and a bond into, but they break that bond by getting you to refuse everything that you was so that you can become everything they want you to be. Right. So was there any, was there like, obviously it's a kind of form of psychological abuse that they, which is what it yeah. is. Was there any yeah. physical abuse in a cult? No, but there was with children. Um, so there were some things that was underhanded that happened. Um, you know, social services got involved and they did the investigation. But of course, you know, we covered everything up. There's all, there's a lot of that, right? Okay. See what I mean? Do you, even though it's been, what, I mean, uh, I mean, when did you leave again? What year was it? 2010. It's basically been uh, 10 years. Actually, um, 10 years this month, October the 27th. So this is interesting. So 10 years of leaving, do you, are you totally psych? Are you totally free? From yeah. That, or are you totally free? You're totally. Not having any, you don't have yeah, any. I don't, even, I don't even have nothing against them. Right. So you totally I have any, Yeah. Them. I mean, I was angry for the first six years. I'm talking about 2016, everything changed. When God came back in my life, everything changed. Up until that point, I was livid. I completely understand. <laughs> I was livid. <laughs> I completely understand. Yes. It is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I kind of know that feeling. Trust me, when you get being hurt by people as ministers, yeah. and how I, was they weird. I was angry at them. I was angry at God. I was abs- okay. Let me let me say this. When I was actually in the cult, I actually couldn't really verbalize what was going on with me, but I knew this. And um, they had a way of getting people to confess their sins, which is another characteristic of cults, because they right. have things over your head, right? And they couldn't control you. It was so bad that I began to pray that God will kill them. That was a prayer point for me. Wow. Okay. And the reason why that was a prayer point, point, because I couldn't breathe. I physically could not breathe. I was dealing with anxiety. I was dealing with depression. I was like a zombie and I was just trying to live. I mean, physically, I just could not breathe. Mental, psychological, I thought I was going mad. I, I couldn't figure out. I didn't have the answers. The answer wasn't cult. I didn't know what the answer was. I just knew something is seriously wrong and it's them. And so I said, and I could not imagine living while they were living. So then I developed a prayer, a secret prayer, okay, of God, can you just kill them? Because then maybe I would live 
when I'm 70 years old. I wasn't even thinking about in the moment. I was thinking next 30, 40 years, at least I'll be able to live my life then. And do you know, I actually confessed this to them because I felt guilty for even thinking such a thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they didn't say anything. Interesting. Interesting. That's crazy. Well, let's say we'll kind of wrap this up. We've kind of got a lot of information from Mercy. And uh, if you've been listening, if you're listening and you want to reach out to her and maybe you know somebody who's in a similar situation wants to, who needs to escape and be freed from a, some of a cult and it'll, you can get in contact with her. We'll have all the show notes uh, on Facebook and the connections and uh, regarding one of the show notes of the podcast. But you can, as I say, you can uh, connect with her and hopefully, yeah, uh, it's a powerful story and nobody should go through it. And uh, as I say, 2021 will be, as she continued being, well, 10 years old plus with her husband that she knew, <laughs> random phone. Hang on a minute, I should be, be with you for some reason. <laughs> thinking, yeah. hang on. I mean, okay, I've had a dream thinking, uh, did I have cheese last night? Was that too much? <laughs> <laughs> How much cheese did I eat last night? I tell you, I wish I'd never had pizza. I'm sure that pizza was dodgy. Come on, what the <laughs> heck was I eating? <laughs> so I bet you must have been thinking, hang on a minute. <laughs> What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, from the most randomest mm-hmm. people having a dream and then finally getting together, but unraveling their yeah. life are still together now is a very, yeah, that's good news and very interesting. And uh, you, if, for those who have been listening to this, you're probably thinking, wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you probably, as I say, you couldn't write it, but she did. And five weeks later, and a collaboration, she did write it. And uh, yes. So, as I say to everyone who's been listening, give it before we go, give us a final word to people to re- listen to. Final words. If you're in this situation, if you know somebody's in this situation, they ought to run for their life. But most people run from God. And I want to encourage you don't run from God but run for your life. Nobody needs to be under domination and control and manipulation from anybody. If you seek the help, you'll get the help. There we go. Well, thank you to Mercy. Thank you for being on the show, hopefully. Thank you. It's been a a while, yes. (laughs) Just a bit. (laughs) But um, thank you for being, and uh, to thank you to, well, as I say, to congratulations on the collaboration with Chanel Spencer and the many other authors. I think this it's a busy. She's a busy girl, I'd say at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just <laughs> You can sort of see who she's connected with because every person or the people who are connected with me that I'm interviewing, yeah, have got a picture of themselves plus Chanel. So Chanel's kind of like almost the equivalent of being in Times Square billboards all over the place but on people's <laughs> Facebook profiles it's quite fun <laughs> it's quite interesting I've noticed that thing she's a popular girl though she certainly if she wasn't popular well, before she's Peltzer because I'm I'm doing a book launch with her tomorrow <laughs> with book. Yeah. so you're certainly uh well uh, well if you if yeah I'll tell you writing a book seems to be the way way forward um but interesting very interesting very to everyone who's been listening, have a great uh, weekend wherever you are, and uh, till next time. And uh, watch this space for a new rebrand and uh, regarding the radio side. And uh, to everyone, have a good one, and we'll 
speak to you soon.